Amen. Amen. We'll turn to Matthew 14 this morning. I have a word for you and believe that God's going to speak to our hearts. And uh, we have been on a theme the last few weeks, especially on Wednesday nights. And youth, you guys will stay in here, by the way. We're going to keep you in here today. So just get comfortable. If we need to kind of move some people out of the foyer, there's some seats right up here and uh, maybe a few here and there. So if you squeeze in this morning, just make room for anybody that needs to be brought in. But on the last few Wednesdays, we have been focusing on arcs and altars. And really what I felt like the theme for the Holy Spirit right here at the beginning of the year, and I said it a few Wednesdays ago, but for the sake of those who probably didn't hear it if you weren't perhaps here, is we want to alter. When we get into a new year, there's always things that we want to change. Amen. There's things that we want, New Year's resolutions, and perhaps even you've made a commitment to be more faithful in your attendance at the house of God or hit the weight room. They say that most people that work out all year long wait until the end of January to go lift weights because it's so full, right? And so instead of focusing on trying to alter your life, A-L-T-E-R, I want to encourage you to build an altar to God, A-L-T-A-R, Because oftentimes we overestimate what we can change in our lives and underestimate what Jesus can change in our lives. And an altar literally symbolizes a place of worship and sacrifice, a place where you're going to continue to visit. So don't just make the month of January or even our 21-day fast. Be uh, just a short blip of you really hungry and focusing on God and really going after God. But I really feel like we're in a season where Jesus is passing closely by. Jesus is coming near. And for those who are hungry for him, he's making himself available in a way perhaps you've never experienced or never really thought about before. That we have an ability. The beautiful thing about the gospel is you already have everything that you need to be a blessed, successful Christian. But there is a reach of our spirit for the things of God that God will stir us up. In other words, there are times when it's time to cast off the things of the world so you can put God in first place. And if you put God in first place, you're going to see miracles in your life. But I have a question I want to begin with this morning. Who's ever been stuck? Anybody ever been stuck? And don't go too deep on me just yet. I mean, like stuck at the airport or stuck at school and you got left there. Uh, I got left at the skating rink when I was about 12 years old by my mom. Never let her live it down. Me and a friend were left there. We, we were stuck at the skating rink. And uh, if you've ever driven like a four-wheel drive into some mud, and as men, we're classic at this. The times I've been stuck in mud and been out enjoying some four-wheel driving, and I hop out and I look at the condition and the the state of what's going on, and I just think, well, let her rip, Tater Chip. Let's get back in and, and hit the gas. Let's get back in and just really hammer it down. And we sometimes live our spiritual lives that way, that oftentimes when we're stuck in a place and we can't feel like we can get any traction spiritually, we feel like we can't get any movement spiritually, some of you in here today are like, man, I've, I've got some issues in my marriage that I'm working on here at the beginning of the year, and I'm just going to hit the gas. You know, I'm just going to prove my point. Men, that doesn't work, okay? I just want to say that from the get-go. <laughs> or perhaps you're dealing with issues in your finances, or you're dealing with issues with your kids, or you're dealing with issues in some area of life. We have the tendency to think, well, if I just work harder or try harder, then all these things are going to be fixed. But I want to introduce you to something today that is called faith. Amen? Amen. It's called believing God for those things that you're wanting to change in your life. And rather than applying more pressure or trying to hit the gas, so to speak, and get out of the situation that you're in, I want to tell you today that God is going to call some people out of their spiritual comfort today. God is going to pull some people out of their spiritual apathy today, perhaps, because God is calling you individually, you as a father, you and your family and this church to get out of our boats and to walk on water with Jesus. Amen. I'm telling you, that's the call of the Lord in the season that we're in, because being stuck is a frustrating place to live. Anybody testify to that? It is very frustrating. It's a frustrating place to be when you're trying your hardest You're getting nowhere. And this story we're going to look at today here in Matthew 14 is just that. These guys were stuck. They weren't moving forward like Jesus said that he puts them in the boat. He tells them, go to the other side. And we're going to get into the context of what was going on, that Jesus withdrew to a lonely place alone and 
communed with his heavenly father. We're going to look at some context of that. I'm going to stop occasionally here in the scriptures and point out some things maybe you've never seen before in this passage that I believe will help you get unstuck. Does anybody want to get unstuck today? How many want their faith to grow today? Amen. You're in the right place. Look at verse 22 of Matthew 14, and this is the reading of the Word of God. Verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Verse 23. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now look back this way. The word buffeted there is something you could read right through and not understand that that word is actually a word that was used in other contexts and other places in the Gospels to speak of demonic activity. In other words, there are some storms of life that we go through just because we're living in fallen earth, L-I-F-E, living in fallen earth. Your tire gets flat, the kids don't behave sometimes, sometimes you get the flu, sometimes you get a cold. Those are all natural courses of life, but I want to point out that this was not a normal storm. And when you look at the context of what's going on in a broader way, at the beginning of Matthew 14, Jesus has just found out that his cousin, who he was very close to, John the Baptist, has been killed. And sometimes we don't think of Jesus in this way, but I want you to today for the sake of understanding that Jesus was grieving. Jesus grieved. And in the grieving, he looks at his disciples. He finds out this news. He looks at his disciples, and it clearly says that they were basically trying to get away from the crowds that had begun to form because Jesus was healing, Jesus was feeding, Jesus was doing all these things. And he gets in a boat and goes across the lake. Well, all the crowd just simply follows where he's going. And when he ends up on the other side wanting to go and get away, and I want to tell you a secret to life. If whatever you face in life, if you can get alone with your heavenly father, a lot of things will begin to change. That's the season that we're in, church, is a season where God is giving an invitation to his people back to a place of personal intimacy. We see this in the life of Jesus. If you're grieving today, can I tell you where to go? The father. If you're hurting today in some area of your life, can I tell you where to go? The Father. Jesus ends up on the other side of the shore, and there's thousands of people there waiting on him. And I love this about our God. He didn't say, I'm grieving and I want to go be by myself. It says he began to heal them all. I love that. That's the care of your heavenly Father. That's the love that is expressed we see here in this story. When he arrives on the other side to get away from everybody, everybody's there waiting on him. And he didn't just say, well, go away. We don't have a God like that, do we? He heals them. The disciples look at him and say, everybody's hungry. Everybody needs something to eat. And he says, you feed them, right? You feed them. And they're like, we don't have anything. We just got a couple loaves. So he feeds them all. And he looks at his disciples. And we're going to pick up again in the story. He looks at his disciples. And he says to his disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side. While I go off to a place by myself and pray. Look at verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come with you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Now look back this way, because we always skip, we always skip ahead to verse 30 and say, Yeah, Peter sank, and then he got rebuked. I just want to point out, Peter walked on water. Yeah. He walked on water. You know, next time somebody's trying to put you in your place and say, ah, you're not Jesus, you can't walk on water, I just tell them I might be Peter. So don't be judging me, y'all. Amen? We skip ahead too quick because I want to point out that there are times that God will call you to a special place of faith to get out of your boat and to begin to walk on the water with Him. Do I have any people that got some faith in this house today? Amen. I'm in the right place. Look at verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. 
Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. Father, for these next few minutes and moments, I pray that my helper would come. I know you're here, Lord. I know you want to speak to these people present today this word. Lord, we pray today that the seed of your word would go into our hearts and grow fruit. But today I specifically ask, humbly, would you grow faith? Would you cause us to take another step of faith even when we don't know what it's going to land on? Lord, would you help us to take that step out of our boats of comfort and out of our boats of small thinking and out of our boats of what we desire into a faith adventure with you that, Lord, we are people that desire to see exactly who you said you were. And, and God, you said you are a healer, you are a deliverer, you are a chain breaker. When there is no way, Lord, we believe you are the way. So, Father, settle us in this place as we settle under the presence of the Holy Spirit and help this word encourage our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. I love it that Jesus still healed and fed them. I love it that Jesus is building an altar by getting alone with God and understanding that in his grief, in the place he was in, and they had dinner, Jesus goes off to a lonely place, he begins to pray, and I feel confident, and this is a beautiful picture of the ministry of Jesus, that Jesus lives to make intercession for us. Jesus is praying for you. Isn't that a comforting thought? And he's up on the side of this mountain. He's communing with the Heavenly Father from, from, from dinner to dawn. He's praying. And he sees that the disciples have gotten themselves into a storm. And if he can still see them, it means that they're stuck. They're rowing against the wind. The waves, and these aren't normal waves, it says clearly that this was something greater than just a regular storm. This, because the enemy always comes to try to attack us when we're at our weakest moment. Don't miss that Jesus was grieving in a natural way. Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. He was grieving in a natural way, a natural relationship of somebody he loved and cared for, just like we see him at the tomb of Lazarus weeping before the tomb. It wasn't because he couldn't raise the dead. It was because the people around him that he loved were grieving and hurt. Amen? And it's just like the enemy to try to take advantage of a time like that. And I think we miss this aspect of it too. When Jesus goes into the wilderness and he's tempted by the devil, 40 days at the end he's tempted. And every temptation he comes back with, this is what God says about what you're tempting me with. And it says right at the end, and we miss this, and the devil withdrew for a more opportune time. And I think this was one of those opportune times that if you're, if you're not looking for it, you could miss that this was a storm that was brought up to try to hinder. It was brought up to try to discourage. It was brought against them to try to destroy. Because I got news for you this morning. You have an enemy, but you also have a God that is praying for you. You have an enemy, but we have every victory in Christ Jesus. And I love the fact that Peter wasn't afraid to get out of that boat. I love that. Because, church, I do not want to get to the end of this man's life and say to myself, I miss the greater things that God desired to do in my community, in my church, in my family, and in my life because I was afraid to get out of the boat. And I'm calling some people today that you've been in the boat for so long and you've been settled and comfortable and everything's good and fine, but the storms keep lashing and the storms keep beating the side. And you don't know what to do. You don't know how to handle it. And I don't think the primary objective of Jesus was the calming of the storm. Don't we love it when Jesus speaks to the storm and it just goes away? Anybody else is like, yes, Lord. I think the primary objective in this instance of what they were going through wasn't to calm the storm. It was to elevate the faith of the disciples. There are some storms that God wants to elevate your faith in and through if you're willing to get out of your boat. Peter stepped out of the boat. He gets a bad rap. Peter, you know, we, we jump to the verse 30. Peter sunk. Peter failed. Peter, Peter failed a lot. But can I tell you, he was a lot like Rocky. He decided he was going to get up and, and keep going. I mean, he failed a lot. I mean, think of later on when he 
cuts off somebody's ear, and Jesus is like, Peter, knock it off. Puts the ear back on. Just a, just a little bit later, he's denying Jesus. But God looked down from heaven and said, I need somebody that's willing to get out of boats and to get up when they're down. And he used Peter to preach the first sermon that established the church of Jesus Christ that we are here enjoying today. I don't hear the other 11's names mentioned, but I do hear Peter and Paul in the Bible a lot. And I came to tell some folks today, the book of Acts didn't end right at the end of your Bible that you're holding today. God is still working. God is still calling us out of boats. And God is still calling some of your families to even believe for the greater. But let me ask you this question, because the other 11 stayed in the boat. But let me ask you a question today. Why do you stay in your boat? Because I can assure you, Jesus walks by on the water and invites us into a greater place of faith and trust because God said that we would go from faith to faith and victory to victory. I want to be a water walker. Amen? Amen. This is all Peter did. He saw what Jesus was doing and he said, Jesus, I want to do the same thing you're doing. That is a great thing to say to Jesus and that is really the Christian life. Jesus himself said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Amen? Amen. So if we're promised greater things, if we're promised to go to new levels of faith, then sometimes all it takes is just, Jesus, if, if, if you desire at your word, let me step out of the boat. We all have a choice continually throughout life, continually. Are we going to stay in the boat or are we going to look at Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe you're calling me out to greater faith. You know, I want to look back over my life. I won't speak for you, but I want to look back over my life and say, man, God, only God could have done that. Amen? Amen. You're not called to have a natural life. You're called to have a supernatural life in God. I want to look, at some, I want to look around me one day at the end and say, only God could have paid that. Only God could have built that. Only God could have done that in my family. Only God could have brought those children back. Only God could have saved those grandkids. Only God could have changed the community of Homosassa. Because I didn't come here to build a dead church. I came to call some water walkers out of the boat and onto where God is calling them. Amen? In church, we got a lot of nice stuff, but I wonder if we are comfortable in our boats. I want to look back at my life and say, man, only God could have opened that door. God does not want you to be a boat dweller. I want to pastor some water walkers. Amen? I didn't move here to build a dead church. I moved here to build a church that even like the book of Acts, they said two things. They said, those are the ones who had been with Jesus... And they're the ones that are turning the world upside down. How many believe God can turn home Sassa, Florida upside down for His glory? You may say this morning, what does that look like? Well, it looks like the crime rate dropping. It looks like people getting delivered from drugs and addiction. It looks like people getting healed, saved, and delivered. And don't think that God couldn't use some little old people from home Sassa, Florida to turn the world upside down. If He can use Peter, He can use me. That's what we should look at today. Like the book of Acts, they said, here comes the people that have been with Jesus and they turned the world upside down. Why? Because he got out of the boat. Number one this morning, if you're taking notes, I only have three points. But they are super long. So just settle in, get your snicker bar out, get that cup of coffee, get it, get it sipped. Number one, small thinking will keep you in your boat. Small thinking. And I'm not talking about intellectual capacity this morning. I'm talking about people who like to put God in their neat little box and leave Him there. Amen? Amen. These are the can't, I won't, I have never. You see, water walkers believe God for big things. And I think of, say, Matthew. Maybe Matthew stayed in the boat looking at Peter stepping out and thinking to himself in small thinking, well, I couldn't do that because my mom wasn't a water walker and grandma wasn't a water walker and my... You know, my friends aren't water walkers. In other words, we make excuses for why we won't step out of our boats. And some of you live there constantly. My parents' marriage didn't make it, so I don't know if mine will make it. My family's been broke, so I'll be broke. My family lives with anxiety and depression, so I'll live with anxiety and depression. No, 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 no. 
you can be a water walker. You can make a change in direction and you can say, as for me and my house, we will be prosperous. As for me and my house, we will serve God. As for me and my house, I don't care what the other rest of the family is doing. I'm going to be a person of faith and courage and stepping out. As for me and my house, maybe, maybe you have generations in the past that have dealt with anxiety and depression. Can I tell you this morning, God can break that off of your life. But you've got to be a water walker. And I came to tell some of you folks that your past does not determine your future. It doesn't. Jesus makes all things new. Jesus is the turnaround master. You say, Pastor, I hear what you're saying, but there's a way ahead of me and it's blocked. Jesus is a way maker. Some of you came in with chains on yourself. Jesus is a chain breaker. Jesus is the one who continually calls us out of our comfort and our small thinking in these areas of our life to walk on the water. And I don't know what religious system you grew up in, but let me tell you the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and that Bible that you're holding right there in your hands. God is a good heavenly father. He's a gracious God. Amen. He's a loving father. And listen to me. He takes dead things and makes them alive. Resurrection isn't just something we celebrate on Easter. Resurrection life and power is available to the believers every single day. Amen. Because the importance of, because you had 11 people in the boat, you had one that saw Jesus and said, I want to do what Jesus does. And I think that's the word of the Lord in this season as you're fasting and praying and pressing into him. You need to get a revelation of Jesus and you need to then ask Jesus, what do you want me to do? Don't be surprised when he says, come out on the water. Now, in a natural sense, the water was not the place you wanted to be because waves and wind and the beating of the waves, they had rode from, from dinner to almost dawn. And don't, don't let it be lost on you that Jesus came to them, it says, right before dawn. It's always darkest right before dawn. Amen. But you can't let the voices that keep telling you to stay in the boat, that it's always going to be this way, that you're always going to be sick, that you're always going to be broke, that you're always going to be rejected, that you're always going to... Listen, you need to rise up in faith and take lay hold of that which God laid hold of you. Listen, get a dream so big that if God doesn't show up, it's not going to work. Get something deep in your heart that says, God, if you don't come and you don't make this happen, then it can't happen. If not, you'll get stuck in the boat. Do you know who's in the boat? Other boat dwellers. Because <laughs> we say, I don't know how it's going to happen. I, I told somebody this just a few months ago. and I just said it by way of just talking, and we were talking about some things for the church and the future of the church and, and whatnot. And I said, when I came here, I didn't see what it was. I saw what God wanted it to be. Are you hearing me? And trust me, it took a lot to get me out of my boat. I've shared this with you. I was comfortable. I was content. I had thought to myself, and my mom can testify to this, at 24 years old of, of God saying, go. I'm like, where? Go here first, and then I'll tell you from there. I, I loved my family. had a great job. Was all the things I had, I was comfortable. And many times, God has come along and passed by, just like in this story, and he says, hey, Get out of the boat. And it's always our choice whether we're going to continue in our small thinking or we're going to believe God for the greater. Amen? Amen. Number two today, comfort will keep you in your boat. It's those who say, I don't want to get out of the boat. They say to themselves, this is the best seat in the house. I'm going to watch Peter fail right here in front row. <laughs> you, want, you want to know how I know that the disciples in the boat were Christians? Because they saved their seat in the boat. Amen? Amen. <laughs> That's my pew, Matthew. Get out. <laughs> Our comfort can be an enemy. The greatest enemy to your calling is your comfort. I'll say it again. The greatest enemy to your calling that God has on every single life in this room. Young people are in here today. The greatest enemy to your calling that God would call you to do is where we just stay in our comfort. Think about this. And this is beautiful, but it's, it's still a challenge. Because think about the story. Because the thing that you're comfortable in is what God provided and gave to you. Amen. He 
provided the boat. He literally puts them in the boat. He says, go to the other side. Everything that Peter had left out of, he could have looked and said, well, God put me in this boat. But God at times will come along and challenge us and shake us up and say, hey, believe me for the greater. Believe me for something bigger. Believe me for what I want to do in your life. To get to what God has for us, the new thing, always requires us to let go of something old. Amen? To let go of something that's comfortable to us, something that we are relying on. And usually the thing we're unwilling to let go of is the last blessing that God gave us. You hear me? If we allow it, our comfort will kill our calling. It'll put you back in the boat instead of walking on water. It's the people of Egypt did this, right? People of Egypt, people of uh, the Israelites in Egypt, when Moses leads them out, they were simply like, we want to go back. Do you realize your dysfunction becomes so comfortable? Are you hearing me? Your dysfunction can be so comfortable, you would actually say, I would rather go back. Because our our dysfunction is something that we learn to function in. And until God comes and reveals the dysfunction in our families, the dysfunction in our own lives, And we all to some level have that. And here's the deal about dysfunction. We get comfortable in it because we know how it operates. We get comfortable in our dysfunction because we know how to... Water walking? I don't know how that operates. But I know how dysfunction operates. I know how comfort operates. I know how just going through my life literally feeling like I'm just, I'm just going through the motions and I'm battling all these storms. I'm stuck in the mud. I'm hitting the gas, Lord. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And some of you have been hitting the gas and rowing for, against the storm so long. Some of you, God just says, listen, I want you to get up and get out of the boat and to let go of those things that are holding you back. God says, no, 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 no. He wants us to step out. Number three, comfort will keep you in. Small thinking will keep you in the boat. And number three, control will keep you in the boat. Oh, my. Some of us are control freaks. My mom's a backseat driver, side street driver. She calls me sometimes just to tell me what to do, and she lives 1,200 miles away. It's been fun, her driving around with me these last few days because she's got that brake on the right side. I hear it. I see her tense up and look, and I'm like, I know there's a car stopping eight miles up the road. Here's why a lot of you have not stepped out of the boat, and you're with the 11 that stay in the boat. Because for God to call you out of something comfortable, then you are not going to be able to control it. Like God, when God was calling Moses to lead the people out of slavery, Moses comes back to God and he says, I'll go. See, he wanted to qualify his calling with a caveat that, well, I'll go, but I don't speak very well. And it says the anger of the Lord was aroused and he sent Aaron with him, but it wasn't what God exactly called him to do. In other words, Moses wanted to negotiate the terms. Anybody else find yourself in negotiating the terms of what God wants to do? Can I tell you, you'll never get out of the boat if you try to do that. If you want to negotiate the terms of agreement with God, God will move on to someone who will just say, God, can I get out of the boat? I'm telling you, He will. Have you ever noticed that God does not do contracts? He doesn't do contracts. The reason He doesn't do contracts are contracts are built on mutually mutual mistrust of two people. That's what contracts. That's why you'd never see contract in the Bible, but you will see covenant. Because even when he called Abraham and formed a covenant, a covenant with Abraham, Hebrews tells us very plainly that God simply said that since he looks around. In other words, the reason that God doesn't do contracts is God has never proved to be untrustworthy to anybody in this room today. Because contracts are built on mistrust, covenants are built on the character of the one you're making the covenant with. And Hebrews tells us plainly, God looks around when He's making a covenant with Abraham, and He says, is there anybody else, His name, that is higher than my name? And since there wasn't, God said, I'll make a covenant with myself. (laughs) 
The covenant you've entered into by faith, and the reason I can confidently say that when you step out of the boat onto the water, you're going to meet something solid because God loves people who take Him at His word. Lord, if that's you, just say the word, and I'll step down out of the boat. And we love to we love our comfort, we love to stay in the small thinking, and we absolutely love to be the control freak in the relationship with God. God, are you sure this is the right way? Jesus, I see you. I want to walk on the water. And Peter was just, man, he was, he was just, 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 just enough understanding that the God that he was following and being discipled by, the Son of the living God, was enough that if he said he could walk on water, he could walk on water. And don't miss what begins to happen when he begins to step out of the boat. When he begins to step out of the boat, in the beginning, he's completely locked in and focused on Jesus. And church, as long as you're locked in and complete, and that's what these times of fasting, that's what these times of prayer, that's what these times of coming in here and worshiping on Wednesday night are about. It's refocusing yourself every Sunday morning. And I encourage you to be in the house of God as much as you can because this is not a time and season to lose focus on your God and His Word and His plan for you and your family and your life because it's not lost on me that the storm that came was demonically inspired to take out the disciples. But God. And I love how Peter's walking and he's... Listen, the boat was the same... The waves were the same. Everything around him is exactly the same. There's only one difference in the story of why he began to sink. He lost his focus on Jesus. In church, I want to tell you the secret. And, and I don't want to, again, I think we, I've heard sermons where people are just all over Peter. Like, man, you failed, you failed. I say, he got out of the boat. God's not afraid of you falling. He's afraid of you never trying. So he steps out and he begins to lose focus. And instead of Jesus and his word he spoke to come, he begins to get his eyes on the waves. Whoa, wait, wait. And it says he begins to sink. Anybody in here ever started to sink? Yes. I got two hands up. But here's the beauty, Misty Hand. The beauty is that, and think about this. Think about this. He cries out to Jesus. You don't cry out to someone you don't think has the power to save you. So his faith was still intact in who Jesus was, but he got his eyes off Jesus. And Jesus so lovingly, so wonderfully comes along and says, man, I got you. And listen to me, and this is important, because I do not want Jesus to either sharply rebuke me, because there's a rebuke in what Jesus said. Because God is not going to coddle you in your fear because that's what we're talking about today is when he got his eyes off of Jesus, fear took over and and, and faith began to dissipate. You cannot serve two masters. And fear is a horrible master. Some of you may have come in here today with fear in your life and fear in your heart, but can I tell you what you have to do is begin to cry out to Jesus and He will reach out, save you, and pull you back up out of that water. Literally, the word doubt, and I want to use this in illustration, the word doubt, because it says that when He began to see the waves, He began to doubt. And, and doubt just literally means, it means has anybody ever been on a, a dock and you're getting on a fishing boat? Yeah? And, and this happens to me all the time. I could even tell you a horrible story of something happened to me a couple of years ago trying to put gas in my jet ski on a floating dock. Let's just say I ended up in the water holding a gas can sinking. That's, that's the gist of it. Because, listen, when I got, my, I got my foot off of something solid and I got it onto something was moving, what begins to happen? <laughs> and it says in the Word, why would, you that, why would you go between two things? If the Lord is God, serve Him. If the world's right and the culture's right, serve it. But quit playing the middle ground because Jesus wants you solid in faith with our eyes focused firmly on Him. Boat dwellers and water walkers. And He didn't coddle Him. That's so important. Don't miss that He didn't come and say, well, it was a good try. Once you get to the bottom, I'll swim down and pull you back up. 
<laughs> I'm going to use my daughter. I was trying to think of an example on the, of this of how of how we can try to use how we can get let fear override faith and trust in our lives. And she's going to begin driving full time in a couple of weeks. Told you I'd warn you. Stay off the roads. I'll put a little tracker on her. You guys can track and say, oh, she's on the other side of the county. I'll drive. <laughs> but listen, it's been so interesting training her to drive over months, but especially the last few weeks. As you're getting closer to that, we get her out driving more and more and more. And she would tell you this right now. She's fearful. The, the car that she's told me she wanted, it, it, and I was shocked. I'm like, you know, most teens are like, man, I want this cool car. I want this. I want that. Her main concern is 126 safety features. Uh-huh. I, I told her, I said, that car doesn't exist. In other words, honey, I can't wrap you in bubble wrap, put you in the driver's seat, and the car drive for you. That We're not there yet. So maybe 30 years from now, you get in the car, tell it where you want to go, and it takes you there. For now, you've got to trust that what your dad has taught you. Because if you drive in fear, that's when you're going to crash. And I told her, I said, I can't even afford the car that you're talking about because it sounds like it drives itself, and my dad can't afford that. So we're going to get her something with a lot of steel. Amen. Yes. Big bumper. Old-fashioned 1991 steel car. That's why I say watch out on the road, y'all. I know she's dying right now because she's thinking, no, 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 no. But see, what what began to happen to Peter happens to us regularly. And it wasn't a rebuke. What it was was Jesus coming and not coddling him of simply pointing out that, Peter, you operated in faith until you got your eyes off of me, and now it's time to get your eyes back on me. Amen? Amen. Because, listen, when we step out of the boat, Jesus is continually calling us to ever greater, greater, and greater levels of faith. In church, even when Peter wavers and sinks, Jesus still saves him. Don't miss that. Because it's not in the nature of our God to cast off weak believers. You see, the other 11 in the boat, God used them. God blessed them. God loved them. God continued to pour into them. This isn't isn't a salvation, heaven, hell issue. I just want to encourage some people that they have stood at the edge of the boat And they've looked out into what Jesus is doing, and they say, Jesus, I want to come do what you are calling me to do. That is always going to take a step of faith. That's always going to be a place where we get out of our small thinking, we get out of our comfort, and we certainly get out of our control. Because Jesus will let you hold his hand and lift you up, but he's not going to let you take the reins. You hear me? He's not going to do it. Because a principle in the Word of God that we need to understand is that you have to give yourself fully to the kingdom for there to be kingdom fruit in your life. You have to, in other words, the Bible says, give and it will be given back to you. Pressed down, running together, shaken. Of course, that's dealing with finances, but that's a principle in the Word of God that we overlook in the body of Christ, that if you need finance, I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I am a blessing and obedience preacher. You hear me? That when you're obedient, and you say, what's it? It is whatever you have need of, the principle in the Word of God. Listen, some of you are like, man, nobody loves and cares for me. You know how you get love? You give it. You know how you get blessed in your finances? You give it. You know how you, in in young families, listen to your pastor for two minutes and I will change something about your life for the rest of your life. Because my wife and I can be living examples of this because we don't have a clue how we get done everything that we get done. Families are more busy. There's more stuff. There's more baseball games. There's more school activities. There's more this and more and more and more and more. But you put God first. And you give it, it is time. You give your time to God, and God will redeem the rest of the time. You give your tenth to God, and God will redeem the rest of the 90%. You give your love sacrificially to people who are unlovable. Guess what's going to come back to you? Love. It's the key to the kingdom is giving in any area of your life. 
The word there, when he says, Lord, save me, it's a word called distazo. In the word doubt there, it means to waver between two places or directions. And I understand my daughter's fear. I understand her trepidation. I understand going out, especially on 19 this time of year. Amen? That's no joke. So there's a little bit of that in dad, too. Listen, it's okay to acknowledge the fear of stepping out of the boat, but Jesus isn't going to coddle you and feed your fear. Amen? Amen. And Peter began to waver between fear as a master and Jesus. Fear is a horrible master. Amen? And we say this. We say, God, make my life matter, but I don't want to get out of the boat. God, make my life impactful, but I don't want to get out of the boat. God, make my life blessed, but I don't want to get out of the boat. Buddy, if you'd come this morning. So I got a question for you this morning by way of bringing this in for a landing. Is what is keeping you in your boat? Matter of fact, there's maybe more than one person, but I know one person in particular, and I don't know who you are, but I'm speaking just from the Spirit of the Lord right now. You're sitting there thinking to yourself, I've gotten out of the boat before and I've been nothing but disappointed. Listen to me, that was man that disappointed you. It wasn't God. You said, I, Pastor, I, I wanted my life to make an impact, and I stepped out and I got so hurt by the church. Listen, the church is full of messed up people. It is. You say you're looking for the perfect church. As soon as you walk into it, it's not perfect anymore. As soon as I walked into my church, like, oh, perfect church is gone. But I do know a perfect Savior. I do know a perfect Jesus that if I'll keep my eyes upon Him. Here's what I do know. I know this. I'm telling you right now, whether it be your family, whether it be your workplace, whether it be your school, whether it be your church, there are people waiting on you to become a water walker. Because here's how I want to end. And do not miss this. Because on one side of the coin, you see fear and failure in this story. He feared, he got his eyes off of Jesus, and he failed at what Jesus had told him to do. Some of you are so chained up by your past and the things that have happened that I want to encourage you today, get out of the boat again. And Jesus lifts him up, as Jesus always will do when we say, Jesus, save me. That's some of the best words you could ever... That's how I taught my daughter to drive when everything's going crazy. Jesus, save me. And I said, something supernatural will happen. I hope. And she's going to be fine. Because she's in the hands of God. You're in the hands of God. And he's walking back with Jesus now, back up on top of the water. Same boat, same waves, same everything else. And see, on one side of the coin, you've got your fear and failures. On the other side of the coin, you've got faith in who God said he was. Because God is not untrustworthy. God is a God who will not let you down. God is a God who will come through for you. It may not be in the way that you wanted. It may not be in the timing that you wanted. God is an on-time God. He's never early. <laughs> How many like God to be early sometimes? It's like I would, if I was Peter, I'd been like, couldn't you just come near me and just, you know, as soon as you saw me start to sink, but he waits till he has to be reached down. Because see, we can learn as much from our failures as we can when we step out and see God do something in faith. And listen to me this morning. It's the same boat. It's the same disciples. And when they get back into the boat, <laughs> it calls worship to God. Man, don't miss that. Do not miss that. that Listen to me. When you even fail in stepping out in something, when Jesus raises you back up, other people can even look at how good God is in the area that you failed in if you will give it to God. God is a God who will rescue us and save us. But what area of your life today is God saying, get out of the boat, stand with me today? Because church, our faith and our failures should and will lead other people to doing what is exactly happening in this moment in the boat. And it says they begin. And it says the winds died down. But I also feel like saying this in the moment. You'd think when Jesus got back into the boat, all the wind, you know, the storm would have just, boom, gone. 
Some of you are sailing through a storm, and some of the storms God will say, peace be still, and it goes away. The other storms, you just need to make sure Jesus is in the boat, and you will get to where you're going. He sent them into the storm, and the winds died down. Another occasion, He rebuked them. No mention of that here. So it's my understanding, at times Jesus will rebuke the storm. Other times we are going to have to go all the way through it. And if Jesus is in the boat, we don't have anything to fear. So here's my challenge today. Step out in faith. Because we see here in this passage, the best and worst scenario of you stepping out in faith is Jesus is worshipped. Can I tell you, no matter what, as long as God is glorified, then we should be satisfied. Not stepping out in faith is selfishness and pride. Not, not, not a selfish stepping out, not a prideful, God, I want this next big thing. But if God's calling us out of our boats of small thinking, He's calling us out of our boats of comfort, and He's calling a lot of you out of a boat of control. And I want to focus there for just a minute because the Bible says in Hebrews, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Bow your head and close your eyes. I want to ask this question. And it's, it's this right here. It's this right here. Some of you have grabbed the reins and tried to control what you're going through right now. You're trying to help God figure it out, and God's saying to you today, I don't need your help figuring it out. I just need your faith. I just need you to believe me. I just need you to know that there's no storm that you're going through or will go through that God isn't ready and willing to reach out and to pull you out of and to set you back in a boat. And here's the key, to worship Him, to glorify Him. If God be glorified, we ought to be satisfied. So how many would say by way of confession, just shooting your hand up, I've tried to control it and today I'm going to lay it down and let it go. Would you shoot your hand up? Amen. Amen. Me too. Me too. Some of you with your kids, you've tried to control it, and God's just saying, put them over into my hand. Put them, give them over to me. Some of you are worried about your job situation and the future of our country and the future, and that is all, that is all understandable. But understand, we have a God this morning that sees us, knows us, and is praying for us. So, Lord, we stand here in this moment, Father, and we ask you to call us out onto the water, to call us out of our boat of comfort and control and small thinking today so that we can be water walkers with you, God, so that we can go to an ever greater level of faith and trust and obedience to you. Lord, would you in this moment supernaturally focus each one of our hearts and our lives and our faith back onto you where it belongs? Not on the waves and not on the wind and not on the difficulty. But Lord, we declare today that we have a God that controls reality itself. So when you find us in that place of faith, when you find us in that place of crying out, I pray for every soul under the sound of my voice today that we've tried to take control, we've tried to take the reins. Lord, we just reach out and take your hand right now in this moment, God, so that you can lift us up, set us back on the reality that, God, even something that is impossible is possible with you. Even those who are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, we know that you comfort us and lead us beside still waters and green grass for your name's sake. Lord, you've never let us down, and we are in covenant with you who's in covenant with yourself. You can never fail, and you can never forsake. So, Father, today we relinquish control. We ask you to break apart the boxes in our minds and our hearts of small thinking, because, Lord, we believe and ask for the greater in this house. I believe and ask for the greater in the house of the families that are here today. Lord, help us and show us where we can give and it will be given back to us. Whatever it is, Lord, call us out of the boat onto the water today. 
I want to ask this question as I always do before we leave. If there be anybody here that needs to commit their lives to Christ, you're not here by accident. God led and drew you to this place today to hear me say the simple words of this. Jesus Christ loves you. He gave Himself for you. He died for you so that you could be saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. It is a free gift. So the Lord is not only calling some out of the boat, but God is also calling some to come to a place of salvation today. He's offering Himself to you. You would just say by shooting your hand up, I need to get right with Jesus and I need to do it today. Would you put your hand up? Anybody in this room? Anybody in this room? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. That's the Holy Spirit working in you right now. That's not a man. That is not a church. That is not any. That's the Holy Spirit convicting your heart and, and you need to be thankful for His conviction. I am. So let's pray this together, church. Heavenly Father, I believe that you came to earth, that you died on a cross, that you rose again on the third day. So today, I turn from my sin. I make you Lord of my life. I ask you to be my Savior. I ask you to be my King. I believe that you rose again on the third day. And that you are seated in heaven even right now. Come into my heart. Change my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Welcome to the family. Several of you that lifted your hand today. And, uh, and we welcome you to the family of God. You're loved. You're cherished. And you belong with the people of God. You're now moved from being outside of the family to being adopted. By God. Isn't that beautiful? Let me bless you today, church. Lift your hands. Let your pastor bless you as you go. Father, I bless Christian Center Church as the pastor of this wonderful, awesome church. I bless them in Jesus' name. May they be blessed as they come in and especially blessed as they go out. Lord, we ask that you watch over and protect. Put your angels round about each person and each one of our families, Father. Even those who are traveling today and moving around, God, we ask that your, your angels would go before them, behind them, to their left and to their right. Lord, we say today that we're going to keep our eyes focused on you no matter what. And Lord, I give the blessings of God over to the people of God so that we can walk on the water today. In Jesus' holy name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Go in the name of the Lord, church. Be blessed, blessed, blessed. Love you. Nobody's told you they love you today. Your pastor loves you.